think we're good. What's going on? How are you? I'm good. How's the hair look? Good, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Doing all right. What's up? Oh, you know, it's another day. Living in paradise right now. That's right. So right now, <clears throat> you're where? So right now I'm at Shaw uh, on an AIB, but uh, I'm stationed out of Seymour Johnson, North Carolina. So I went from North Carolina to South Carolina. Probably be here probably like two more weeks. Been here for two weeks. So to be expected when you do an AIB to be gone for about 30 days. <clears throat> um, all right. So you're there to do a the famous accident investigation board, right? Yeah, definitely. They pulled you out of your regular duties and responsibilities as a military justice paralegal, right? At uh, at Seymour Johnson. Yeah, good old Shady J. Um, courts are picking up, so you know it was, it was a good break before the before the storm hits. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, courts are picking up. What are you guys doing for courts over there? As far as far as far. far? Yeah. So right now, I mean, we we got courts docketed. We're just doing um, alternate locations. So we. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Go ahead. I, I can hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we did an alternate location. So where our ALS um, graduation ceremonies were, we we pretty much made that a courtroom. Um, mm-hmm. Not, not too much coordination, um, just had to get the keys to the building and it wasn't being used because of COVID. Uh, set up some tables, chairs, got the court reporter in there. Um, and then honestly, the biggest biggest thing we did was just take temperatures of people who came in every day, every, anytime they, they came in, they left, um, made sure they were appropriately spaced apart. And that's how we, that's how we handled our first uh, COVID court martial. Huh. Did, it, did everything go well you think or is there a plan to continue with that uh, yeah so I think I think everything went well the day before the court that's when I came down here for this AIB so <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but no uh, we do plan on doing it again in October um, we got two courts going on on the same day so <laughs> I don't know how that oh wow so you use, I, I use the same building or no, uh, one will be in a courtroom and the other won't be at this alternate location. Huh. And the one in the courtroom is what kind of court? I mean, they're both 120s, general court marshals. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. And what are you going to do for the courtroom? Is it big enough to space everyone out or? I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are facing same <clears throat> similar challenges. Because we are, you know, our courts are picking up as well. Um, and, yeah, we, we, we have to find somewhere else to do it. I don't think our courtroom is going to be big enough. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see. There's some plans out there. But, obviously, we have to critically think to see how how we're going to go through with that. But um, but for this, uh, for this podcast, um, really, I heard about you from Sergeant Quinto. He's the uh, uh, special victims paralegal here at at Wyman Air Force Base, and he was like, "Hey, I know this guy, you know, <clears throat> who's done however many 
you know, accident investigation boards. And it'd be, you know, it'd definitely be some cool insight to talk to this individual about his experiences. Um, yeah, and I agreed. I think, yeah, let's, let's reach out to him and see, you know, see if we can talk to him. So that's what we're here to discuss is just, um, you know, your experiences and, and, and your input and your insight into the accident investigation boards um, and what the paralegal role is with that um, selection process and everything like that. But we'll get into that here shortly or momentarily. But first, just go ahead and tell us a little bit about you um, and your journey in the Air Force so far. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so one, thanks for having me on. Um, I, I, follow, I follow your podcast and uh, you had some pretty heavy hitters up here. <laughs> so <laughs> bring, it, bring it down to the NCL levels. Pretty cool. Um, oh, you're good. But no, my name's Staff Sergeant Luke Halley. Um, been in the Air Force for nine years. Um, prior medical technician, 4 and 0. I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, specifically East Lansdowne, which is um, about five minutes from uh, West Philadelphia and about 15 minutes from Center City. Um, let's see, I'm, I'm married, two kids, uh, a three-year-old boy and a two-year-old girl. So, um, yeah, my, I, I probably, I cross-trained about six years into my Air Force career after coming in open general. Um, I let jobs that I've worked as a medical technician or family health, um, the most rewarding being a a uh, medical technician was probably the aerospace staging facility. So that's where I worked as a, uh, I worked with the wounded warriors. So if something goes wrong overseas, you know, and they have to come back stateside, uh, the first spot they land is at, at Andrews. Um, and it's pretty much like an overnight hotel until they need to get to their next destination for further evaluation. Uh, did that for six months, um, ended up working dermatology, at Andrews, moved um, because I got married and uh, went to Wright Pat, did uh, the whole labor and delivery experience as a male technician. Uh, I thought it was awesome. Every day was a birthday there. Um, it, was, it was a lot of good vibes there, rewarding experience, um, but some days were just gloomy. So uh, I knew that probably wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to feel sad. <laughs> so I was like, all right, let, let's try something else out here. Um, cross trained when, let's see, when my son was, uh, about two months old. So I was gone from when he was two months to four months at, uh, when I went to pack, um, and then I think when I went to PCC, I think I just had my daughter. So <laughs> Oh, wow. um, every time you go to the jack school then. yeah every time i go to jack school i, I leave my wife with a, <laughs> an infant um but i, I don't think we're going to have any more who, who knows who knows I, i'm you know i'm all about it but we'll see yeah. uh, i'm from a big family uh even though i'm an only child i uh, a lot of aunts and uncles um i was influenced by my family to join the military not much military influence in Philadelphia per se, but just having people in my family, um, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, it was kind of the thing. Uh, I didn't want to get locked down um, where I was brought up. So I, I knew, I knew all along that 
you know, the military was going to be a thing. Um, didn't necessarily know the Air Force would be the route, but, you know, some some wiser wiser folks who uh, did other branches, they talked to me and they, they, they said you wouldn't regret it, and I haven't. Um, truly, truly, uh, you know, love where I'm at in my career. I'm married, two kids, you know, and, and things are good right now. So, yeah, I think that's that's a little about me. But uh, now I'm down here on, you know, done a couple accident investigation boards. Um, I did when I was stationed at Davis Monthan. I, I did three um, abbreviated accident investigation boards, so AAIBs, and then last year I came to Shaw and did a ground accident investigation board um, for a PT fatality, and then it, the the three at Nellis were. Uh, drones so didn't have to deal with death on the three merely just you know a lot of money crashed and we, we needed to write a report uh, the last one for the PT fatality was a little sad um, mm. you know some interviews got a little uh, I don't know a little sad in there I don't know I don't know how to describe it I'm a guy I don't have feelings right, <laughs> but, right. Um, but but no so I think ultimately what we do as part of like being a recorder in an accident investigation board is at the end it's rewarding. You know, if, if it's just, you know, having a report there for a family, if, if there's a fatality involved or, you know, just having a publicly releasable report, if it's high vis or not, you know, it's going to go through the wickets, um, you know, either match comments, some have, real high interest might there might be like congressional inquiry inquiries and you know things like that so um it's not something to be taken lightly and it's um you know you go tdy for about about a month but um the good thing is you know at, at the base legal office you escape uh the day-to-day -day justice stuff but at the same time like I don't know, you work every day being, being TDY, but honestly, it's a different kind of work. Um, the hours are, you know, hey, as long as you're getting your work done, you're like, yeah, coming at 8.30, but me personally, you know, I don't want to be the uh, the guy playing catch-up, so I, I try to get ahead uh, early and just work longer hours, and, and I don't have to, you know, feed children down here or anything, make dinner. So right. uh, I think it, it's, 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 it's feasible, to, you know, to focus all your time on, on this report, you know, when, when you can. And, and I think that's, that's what I've done so far. So. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So um, yeah, that's a lot, a lot of good information in there. Um, but let's kind of take it back a little bit. So just, to kind of close the loop on your career as a paralegal. So you cross-trained and then after you cross-trained, you went to Davis Monthan, right? Yeah, I was at Davis Monthan for about a year and a half. Still had first term airman clause and uh, I BOP'd. Um, wanted to get closer to family, go back to the East Coast. Mm -hmm. um, on the dream sheet, got, got the fourth pick out of eight. So <laughs> beggars can't be choosers. and. Uh, you know, it's worked out really well. Uh, we're actually closer to my, my wife's side. Um, they're only about an hour and a half from us. So um, 
Davis Monson, I was a gen law paralegal, and now Seymour Johnson, I'm justice paralegal. Okay. Good. And then you've been doing there, you've been doing, I think you mentioned before that you have doing court marshals there, right? Um, Correct. Yep. Doing courts. Um, and, you know, it, it's picking up. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, every day is something new. So right. I like it, though. I like when you give me a problem. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know the answer, but, but let's find out. That's right. Yeah. And there's... Um, they make it so easy for us, I think. Um, the AFI, it's big, like 201, right? 51, 201, it's huge, but um, it has all the answers in there. And there's not a good answer in there, then you can, you know, at KM and the, all the templates and the checklist. Um, it's really everything's handed to us to, to make our job easier. But sometimes, you know, it's all about wanting to get it is done right if you want to get it done there's the tools all you got to do is a little bit of research and you'll get it so um all right so then how did uh doing your first aib how did that come about yeah so um honestly i think by sja loss they came up to me and they they asked if i wanted to go tdy for an aib course um what I've seen traditionally is these AIB courses held at Maxwell. They're probably about like three days long. Um, so it was a super short course, a uh, lot of, lot of information, good information. It's ran by the people who run the course at JACC operation aviation law. Um, so guys who've been doing it a long time who see pretty much all the reports, um, so I did that TDY and I don't necessarily believe that there was a, a rank requirement for it. Um, but, um, I believe that just after I had that, that training per se, that, uh, I was, I was on the hook, you know, to, to get something done. So after that training, especially depending on which MAGCOM, uh, you're assigned to some, you know, fly a lot and have a lot of accidents. Um, and, you know. Was there a uh, skill level requirement to go to the course? So when I went to the course, honestly, I think I was just a three level. Uh, I don't even think I was a five level yet, but um, it, it's possible. It, it, it's possible you may need to be a five level. Um, I haven't necessarily seen a lot of reports with um the airman tier in it uh a way to look that up is you know you go on the tjag homepage and go to the jaguars um and you can look up aib mishaps you can look up you know different match comms different airframes different years um and you can see who the legal advisor was who the recorder was um so i don't necessarily see a lot of Airman tier more, you know, when you get to that NCO tier. But not saying it's not possible because, you know, you got some rock stars out there who, you know, punch above their weight. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's good. And what what was the course about? What what do you remember learning um, yeah, during the course? Definitely. So I think like the first two days um, of the course was – was a lot of 
attorney driven there. So the course was split between attorneys and paralegals. Um, I mean, the, the cool part about the course, not necessarily cool, but they will show videos. Uh, the videos would be of mishaps and then there'd be a story behind it because an investigation was already done. Um, so they would give insight as to like, what do you think happened here? You know, and um, they would have board presidents as guest speakers on um, pretty much, you know, given an after action report of how their legal advisor was good, how their court reporter was good. And that, that was super beneficial. But then I, I believe on like day three, we no kidding had like a JACC um, paralegal talk to the audience as a whole. And I think it was good for, for the legal advisors as well to, to know what the recorders do. Cause AFI states, you know, for, for a fatality accident investigation board, um, you know, for a, for a fatality, you have to attend the course. However, to get, to get put on an accident investigation board, um, if it's a ground accident, if it's an abbreviated accident, you don't necessarily have to have a course. So, um, definitely would suggest sending people forward with at least a, a knowledge as to what accident investigation board is and uh, what's our role. So just sending them in blind, not necessarily sending them up for success, but it, it can be done. I mean, everything um, that we're doing isn't, we're not start from scratch per se. There, there's a lot of guys, resources on, on, uh, Flight KM through the MagCom SharePoints, um, and the AFI is is detailed and, and will help you. Um, okay. <clears throat> now, how did so your first AIB um, were you? So once you go to that course, then does that mean that for any upcoming AIBs that you are you're going to be the person, or are there other people in your or in your office that? have also gone through the course and that could also participate in the, in the AIB. Yeah. So I was, um, I was fortunate. I had a, uh, a master sergeant who since retired, um, master sergeant Ketchum, he, you know, he, he did a lot of AIB. So me just pricking it, picking his brain for like paralegal training, things like that. Um, asking him like, what'd you do? What is it? Um, we, we had another NCO get picked up for a drone fatality or not a, not a fatality, a drone accident. Um, and then, so periodically, yeah, people throughout our office, since we were part of 12th Air Force at Davis Mountain and ultimately ACC, um, where a lot of accidents occur, uh, we were, we were being, you know, asked to submit bodies and, and we were, but, um, after, yeah, I think I was, I was picked up like mo moments after I graduated. I'm, I honestly might've went from Maxwell straight to um, Nellis. But at the time when I, when I did my first accident investigation board, it was, uh, it was kind of like kill three birds with one stone. So uh, they sent us out there to Nellis and we, we got three, three reports done within a month, which I don't know if it has been done, if it has. So Let me know. <laughs> three AIBs in one month? In one month, yeah. So, and there are abbreviated 
boards right, because right, right. Okay. they were abbreviated because it was a drone, no fatalities, and um, they're they're smaller per se. Right. But I might have, um, if I can, this may be a good time to actually say, you know, we've been talking about what it, what an AIB is. Probably a good time to say what it is. Um, so in order to understand what it acts investigation board, I think first I need to talk about a safety investigation board. So um, what happens is, you know, if there's an aircraft and um, anything that qualifies as a class A mishap, so anything damage over $2.5 million, you know, qualifies as a class A mishap. Um, so if there's an accident, any airframe involved, and they meet that criteria, then a safety investigation board is first conduct, uh, done. Uh, the safety investigation board, their whole purpose is to, you know, figure out one, what happened, and their main purpose is for future prevention purposes. So what the safety board can do compared to an accident investigation board is they can give privilege. So um, if you're, if you're flying a plane as a pilot, you eject safely, you, you know, you survive, but the plane crashes, um, you know, the safety board is going to try to figure out, hey, what happened? Uh, we can offer you privilege where um, people don't need to know. We, we can know so we can prevent it from happening in the future. However, you know, the accident investigation board, they, they're ultimately, that's part two of this whole mishap. Um, they can ask questions as to what happened. Um, but for, for that first 30 days, you know, the, the safety board is, they're doing a whole investigation before an accident investigation board. I don't know if that makes sense, but ultimately nope. they, they figure out what's going on. And I think, the acts investigation, well, I don't think, but I know but our, our job is to create a publicly releasable report and to figure out all the facts and circumstances as to what happened in this mishap. Um, and just, just getting a good handoff, a warm handoff with the safety investigation board would be highly, you know, coveted at the same time. Um, the recorder and the legal advisor's role like day one or even before you know the board president is on scene is to review all the evidence that the safety board gets because there may be some uh, analysis or recommendations which could you know taint the board president uh, taint the board members um, so we need to go in there with like a clear head and not be not be looking at a flag being like, hey, come over here. This is, you know, but um, yeah, so that's our first goal. We get there. But besides all the, the logistics behind it, just having a workspace, having a, a liaison appointed from the MAGCOM to the base that you're no kidding going to, that could be a stressor in and of itself. So um, I mean, I, at Creech I, or at Nellis, you know, we worked out of the IG's office. Um, at, at Shaw, when I did a ground accident, we worked out of the education and training office. 
and now I'm currently on one and we're working out at a maintenance hangar. And I honestly think out of all those offices, the maintenance hangar is the best. Um, so things you need to, you know, want to consider before you even get down there is one, who's the base POC? Who's going to have all the supplies there for you? Who's going to have a printer? Who's going to have the computers? Uh, it could be a stressor because you, you start off with um, not knowing anything. You might not even know the base. Um, you know, who's going to set up comms? Who's going to get you a share drive? Um, how do you connect to the printer? Things like that um, that you need to be cognizant of. So if you get that done, if not, you know, the day before board members start arriving, then the first day is just going to be taking care of that admin piece. And I, I think that's critical. Uh, that time's critical. You know, you may, day one um, will be good for focusing your time and attention on, well, well why are we here? What, what happened? Uh, was it a PT test? Was it a, was it a drone that crashed? Was it a plane that crashed? Um, and that, that would be a good time to, you know, go to, if feasible, go to the, uh, the site of the mishap or, you know, see the evidence that's left behind, um, you know, pretty much the, the touch and smell test. But, um, yeah, so ultimately, you know, our job from the difference between a safety and accident is one is to protect the other members from, from privileged information. And if we happen to uncover, you know, privileged information, we, we would route it through our, our, um, our higher ups at the MAGCOM, the aviation law. And, you know, we, we give them, um, that info, not necessarily what we saw, but I guess, yeah, what we saw, I don't know. <laughs> there may need to be like immunity or something granted. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. All right. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, good to know as far as, so I've never done a AIV myself. Right. So I've, I've, I was not necessarily escaped that, but I just never had, you know, never had the chance. Um, so it's good. Definitely good to be aware of the, uh, the difference between the safety investigation board and the accident investigation board and the purpose uh, for both of them as well. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll just get back to the AIV process and just kind of discuss what your first experience was like, right? So they're like, all right, we need you for this AIV. Now you're all, you're all trained up and you get on scene and, you know, what, what was that experience like? Um, what, what do you remember? What are some things that, you know, some lessons learned perhaps uh, that you'd like to share from that? Yeah, the first one was uh, intimidating. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going in there knowing that I'm doing three reports and I've never done one report before. But um, so with with the first, um, there aren't many generals that fly um, uh, drones. So our, our board president was a lieutenant colonel uh, stationed out of New Mexico. I think he was a squadron commander. Um, and at the time, our, our legal advisor was um, out of Mountain Home, I believe, Captain Ziegler. She was awesome. Um, you know, we had a great experience. Um, my first go around, the day of, you know, we're looking at the evidence and um, the board president used to be a uh, 
fighter pilot and day one he already knew what happened so <laughs> it was easy he from there the it was like oh, i don't know if he really knew what happened but he knew what happened uh so it was like all right well let's go down that route then let's get it done um you know things that we did do the only reason why we were out of creech for drones or nellis per se for drones um because the asset was assigned to creech uh and that was deployed to the centcom aor um and you know i think there was three three reports um two crashed because a common cause for drone is called a lost link so um actual plane you know has a signal that goes up to a satellite and sometime uh if it's a tactic by our adversaries or if it's just you know something happens that once you lose that link you don't have feed into the um the visuals around you so um you know they crashed and he already knew day one uh, however the third one was a bit it was interesting uh so we don't know what happened. <laughs> there was no wreckage. There was no, uh, we just know that a bunch of money just went missing. Um, and that was our conclusion, you know? And I think at the time that, uh, you know, you, you do things like you listen to the audio and um, you do an investigation, a thorough investigation. And we there was friendlies in the air, um, I think, some British pilots were flying that day and, you know, uh, we told them we had an asset on the ground and nobody could find it. And that's fine. But, but, um, you know, to decipher that as you will, who knows, nobody knows what happened to it. But um, I think the, the learning experience out of it was good because like I said, I, I went to um, that base and there was no liaison. So me just having people throughout my office, that I could talk to that had been at Nellis for accident investigation boards in the past. I'm like, Hey, well, what, what, um, area did you use to set up shop? You know? And I, I pretty much just piggybacked on the people before me. So it was easy in that aspect. Um, asking a lot of questions. And even when I was like boots on the ground at Nellis, um, I would call my master sergeant and be like, no, who did you deal with, you know, when you're at Vegas? Uh, like, who would be a good person to call because my computer's not working or something like that? Um, but those were, it was a good experience. And I honestly think it got me ready for, you know, the ground accident investigation that was number two. And then ultimately I'm on a, uh, a class A fatality as well right now. So, um, and that's the way, like, if I were to choose paralegals to do it, like baby steps. And, and I was, gradually put up I, I think the the big you know the big goal not necessarily big goal but the big prize for you know if you're interested in AIBs is to be on a class A mishap uh, where there's a high visibility and and um, you put together that report that's ultimately going to be scrutinized and if you don't make mistakes as a recorder then I think I think you won the game at that point um but there's a lot that a recorder does, you know, so um, had a lot of good feedback working with um, at the time, ACC, JA, Ops Law, Paralegals, and um, for the drones, it was like, hey, I was redacting things that didn't need to be redacted because that's a, that's a part of what 
uh, recorder does is ultimately, you know, as we talked about the SIB, the Safety Investigation Board, all of their documents, you combine them into the AIB documents. So that is a report in of itself. And you're, you're in charge of, you know, all, it's pretty much just like justice. You're in charge of all evidence. You're in charge of compiling the reports, making them look nice. And it's honestly, I could, you know, a comparison I would make is if you're routing some like post-trial military justice stuff, um, you know, you might have all your reference material in the left side of the folder with some tabs you know, for reference, and then you have your, your stuff on the right side, uh, that's going to get scrutinized. And as part of the uh, recorder is you, you generate tabs, um, meaning, you know, um, this is very hard to describe. So I'm going to, I'm going to do my best. All right, this, go ahead. This, this is honestly like the, uh, the meat and potatoes of what a recorder does. So accident investigation board, you know, as, as mentioned before, incorporates the safety investigation board tabs. Um, newsflash, like now that the safety board uh, doesn't do their own tabs, they do exhibits now. So that's hot off the press. So there's some challenges I'm working through right now, but ultimately I'm doing it you know, very similar to how I did it in the past. It's just, they don't, they don't put page numbers, headers, footers on, on anything they do now. They just give you a pile of stuff and say, Hey, you figure it out. And that's fine, but um, <laughs> that's fine. So they give you, and what I mean by a tab is, you know, we, we use letters as a tab. So A through S is all safety stuff. And for instance, A is safety investigator information. Um, so, and and if it works, like I could send you the stuff that, you know, the the, the viewer may want to look later, but as part of the safety investigation board, that's labeled A, um, and then you anything applicable to that tab, you, you put in, you insert, you put footers and page numbers and make it look clean ultimately. Um, but, you know, on the first accident investigation board that I did, uh, I didn't know any of that. I, I knew the process, but I didn't necessarily know um, <laughs> like the safety board gives you a final report. So everything that they gave me, I was redacting and I was pretty much wasting my time um, because I wasn't redacting the stuff that they put in their final report per se. Mm. So, uh, that was a lesson learned. So they, they give you something now and they're called exhibits and whatever in those exhibits, you convert it to a tab and um, things that you redact are PII, um, ranks, socials, um, things of that nature, call signs. Um, and then, you know, figuring out what we do for the accident investigation board tabs. So um, they have them listed in the AFI of what goes where, and then you can make more if you want. Um, but I think a big job as a recorder is to stay on top, stay on top of your, um, the members assigned to the board hey, what do you need? Ultimately, everybody has something that they need to write in a board. Um, and think of it as like a college paper or something. You, need to, you write a sentence and you need a cite to that, where, where you found that from. Um, that's the same thing that we're doing in an accident investigation board. And the recorder's role are the tabs. There's three main 
uh, going points for the Acts Investigation Board. You got the statement of opinion, the executive summary, and the summary of facts. The first two, uh, the board president does. Um, and they get appointed, you know, just because of, if it's a fatality, it's going to be a general. Um, that's why I think that NCOs would be like the, the minimum level uh, as a recorder. Um, you know, my last board that I worked on was a, a one star and now this board I'm working for a two star. So, um, and on this board, there's five members. Uh, last board we had uh, four members in its totality. You had a board president, you had um, a legal advisor, a medical member and a recorder. And the first one I ever did was just legal advisor, recorder and board president. So the Matchcom, they'll do a good thing. Uh, appointing SMEs, subject matter experts, ahead of time. However, if you get to your, you know, board and you discover you need a subject matter expert in a certain area, um, if it's weather per se, you know, I, I did a weather SME for the ground accident and uh, the MatchCom SJA just signs that off. So not really a long term for that. But um, yeah, like I said, just the biggest experience that I learned from the first one was uh, trying to keep up with them. I think that was a struggle in the beginning as like, what do you need to cite? Um, because ultimately it's my responsibility to um, put it in an appropriate tab and have it there ready for you. Um, because those are the biggest, uh, those are the common errors that when you send your report up for review, that they'll be like, hey, this is incorrect. Um, it's not on page two, it's actually on page six, like where were you looking? <laughs> but um, those are big lessons learned. I think those experiences got me ready for what I'm doing right now. And uh, I think what I'm doing right now, we're, we're doing a flawless job um, as turn, and, and in regards to, you know, staying on top of things and um, being proactive instead of reactive. I think my first board, I was reactive because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and now I'm proactive. So I think that, that was the biggest. And ultimately, I mean, I learn a lot and I learn a lot by messing up. So I just try not to mess up, you know, things that I've already messed up. So um, those would be my, you know, lessons learned. Okay. All right. Good. Um, yeah, no, that's a lot of good, a lot of good things to know there as well uh, with the report, uh, you know, and the tabs. I didn't really think of that, you know, and how closely you work with, um, with the team, you know, the AIB team, but walk me through the role of the paralegal then uh, in the AIB, right? So you, you, you say you're the recorder, right? But what are your, what are your responsibilities? What are some other things that you can potentially do? Yep. Um, yeah. As the paralegal in the AIB. Definitely. Um, so yeah, definitely in the beginning, um, if your legal advisor is not already doing it, figuring out where you're going to work, um, that, that's an easy kill. Uh, sometimes it's frustrating, um, but you, you have, you're ultimately being assigned to do this report from a MAGCOM commander. So I'm an ACC right now and it's uh, General Holmes, COMAC. So, you know, if, if a wing, you know, doesn't want to assign a liaison, <laughs> But you could, you could use that four star as as a uh, or even the board president's rank as a pushback. Um, so that's one of the roles. Um, evidence, the 
because ultimately at the end, you got to give everything back. So giving it back in an appropriate manner, um, keep a track of where everything is, meaning if they're medical records, if they're, if it's no kidding, they, um, an airframe, if it's uh, paper trails of maintenance records, just whatever, that, that's another role of the um, recorder. Uh, a big, huge role of a recorder is with interviews. So uh, we're called a recorder um, and we use a recorder. <laughs> um, so a with tape recorder. Yep, tape recorder. So, you know, you, you have a witness in, um, you sit them down, you read them a script, board president reads them a script. Um, people are in a room, everything's being recorded. You, you say that audio um, and you need to get that transcribed. So, um, you know, like this time, this go around, my first go around, we didn't necessarily envision using verbatim testimony. Uh, so we used summarized te testimony. Uh, my last board, everything was verbatim. Uh, now this board, I think the first day I got here, um, I reached out to JAT court reporter signer and <laughs> I made good friends with her. I said, look, you know, there's a potential. I got to interview close to 70 people may need to get those transcribed. So just having a gameplay, a gameplay in place um, for, you know, different variables. So just working closely with JAT to, you know, have court reporters um, on standby pretty much. And ultimately right now I'm, um, due to COVID, you know, there's, there's a, there's a ton of them available, which has been, um, great. So the role as a court reporter, as a recorder with the interviews is to upload the audio, um, send them out for a transcription. Once you receive the transcription, then you need to listen to the audio and make sure the court reporter put everything correctly. If there's a lot of acronyms, you know, you need to address that names, spellings, uh, that's a huge role and that's a huge time. Uh, that's going to, I mean, it takes up a whole lot of time, um, you know, and, and then, like I said before, the, the tabs as a recorder. So I say that loosely like tabs, but, you know, on my report right now, the, the pages, and I think I'm about 75% on, on the tabs, but what I'm working with is, is about 2000 pages right now um, that you redact um, names you need to apply. So it's not just necessarily um, names. It's you need to redact it in white and then you apply a text overlay. So uh, Staff Sergeant Halley, if I was the mishap pilot, um, you want to see any names on the report. So anytime you see Staff Sergeant Halley, you go into properties of, of the redaction tool of, on Adobe and you put MP for mishap pilot. Now, if you're looking at their training records, it's going to be everywhere. <laughs> Allie's last name is going to be everywhere. So, I mean, redaction, if I had 2000 pages, you know, and it's totality, I could probably times that by, you know, four, if not, you know, um, it'll be like 4,000 redactions. Now there are some tools in Adobe that you can do um, search and replace with, um, with the redaction. So that has been easy. This go around is I set certain properties as, um, what is the word I'm looking for? I, I save it. 
um, as my default features. So anytime I see Hallie, I, I click in Adobe replace with and replace with MP mm. and then bam, 491 times that Hallie's name popped up is now MP. And that's a huge stress leader. I didn't know that from my first board. <laughs> so, oh, no. so anybody listening, you know, they just know that's a feature. Uh, that's right. Yeah. I could totally help you. But other than that, um, you know, dealing with the post mishap investigations, getting your report ready for an informal review when you're still boots on the ground, uh, you send it up to the MagCom for review. And then after you make the edits that they give you, which is usually a three to five day turnaround, um, at the end of your investigation, that's when you can leave and then you submit your report for a formal review. But just constantly working through with your higher headquarters, um, ensuring that everybody's on the same page, sending weekly updates as to where you're at in the process. Uh, those are things that a recorder does. And, you know, and then if you have a board president and their uh, outlook isn't working, you get tasked with that too. <laughs> Make some calls, but th those are easy kills. So they kind of like the, the gopher, but honestly, I think that the board goes as smooth as, you know, the recorder, you know, lays out priorities, honestly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So priorities, staying ahead, that way you're not catching up maybe at the end, right? Or rushing or stressing about it. Definitely, definitely. Learning those nice tools, I guess, in Adobe. So yeah, you're not, you're not spending too much time trying to... And, and literally anything that says like for official use only, if it's in an email, if it's in, you know, some, if it's in an EPR where it says privacy data information, privacy act information like you're redacting that stuff too and a lot of maintenance forms have a lot of initials um mm. and you need to redact initials too <laughs> wow. and, and, and it's a it's a big role you know and i kind of view it as a game because my work gets reviewed not only by my legal advisor um but by the higher headquarters you know paralegal equivalent and i don't want them finding stuff that i didn't see myself so mm. I, I take it as a challenge um, and we'll see how I do this time around. <laughs> the first time, it's definitely very shaky. Second time, um, I did better. <laughs> That's right. And so for this report, uh, ultimately, does it get printed or is it, or is it strictly routed electronically? So, yeah, um, now I think it's all electronic. I mean, um, they want to see what you're redacting. Um, and it honestly... It will be printed after a formal review, after it goes through, you know, not only the MAGCOM, but the A staff, the, you know, uh, SECAF, possible, you know, congressional, and then who knows. But um, not only does it get printed, but, you know, it ends up on a, the Air Force Times at the end, after everything's done, it, it ends up on, you know, websites, different websites ends up in, uh, in Jaguars. Um, not the full yeah. report though, right? Full report. Um, not including the tabs. So three, the executive summary, statement of opinion, and summary of facts. Mm. But, um, yeah, um, electronic, I would say. So you don't have any role in the printing process, I guess. Yeah. So I, honestly, it just depends on the, the magic. And 
the whole time I've been doing it, I've been with ACC uh, and I haven't printed anything because we know that there's going to be more corrections to it later. Maybe if I missed a redaction and I'm, I'm printing a page that, you know, I, I missed a name on. Um, so, and then you would be a part of the printing process if that's what your match comm wants. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, printers, um, you know, making sure that you have access to printers. Um, but how often are you printing documents during the AIB? Yeah, I would say a lot because um, you're, you're, you're printing, depending on how much, how many witnesses you have, you know, you're, you're doing a script, um, not only for the interviews with each script for each member that's in the room, um, but sometimes, you know, you're dealing with files that, um, like an Adobe file, if you're looking at an EPR, it, it's signed and you can't manipulate the document. So you need to print it and scan it upload it, save it. Um, so your, those will be like onesies, twosies. Um, honestly, not printing as much, you know, probably as back in the day, but um, uh, I think our team has found it beneficial to actually print stuff and make edits on um, a piece of paper rather than electronically. That's the route that we've been doing. Um, so uh, we haven't even gone through a ream of paper yet, honestly. All right. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's good news. And, oh, uh, so I was curious about during the interview, um, you get an opportunity to ask questions as well. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So interviews are, um, interviews are tricky because as part of the accident investigation, you know, not only are we dealing with the facts and circumstances, but uh, we read pretty much like a preamble and we, um, we need to gather and preserve evidence for claims, litigation, disciplinary or adverse uh, administration uh, actions. And, you know, so we're always on our, our spidey senses. We don't want them to necessarily incriminate themselves. So if we foresee that coming, legal advisor would read on my rights. I've never done that. Um, we've never had to do that. Um, but, and usually we know beforehand, um, you know, if, if we suspect something, because they already talked to the safety board. But yes, um, board presidents that I've worked for, you know, they, they have their questions. Um, they'll go to the legal advisor. And honestly, I think a big role that um, a recorder can play is keeping an acronym list. You know, sometimes they, they spit out jargons mm. uh, that need to be transcribed later. And, you know, getting that transcribed or trying to understand what they say at the end, I'll be your time. Hey, what does, you know, MQT stand for? What is, um, whatever, you know, there's so many acronyms. I can't even think of one right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there are definitely times, um, you know, anybody around the room, what do you, what do you, what do you have to ask? And just depending on um, what the mishap was, that, that could be, you know, your time to shine. If you ask something that, you know, a general is not asking, that could potentially be beneficial, you know, that'd be cool. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, do you do any preparation then on your, on your side before you do a witness interview as far as, you know, what, what is so honestly, supposed to? Yeah, honestly, sorry to cut you off, but honestly, mm -hmm. it's, um, I prep their interviewee. So before, you know, 
the general walks in or the board president walks in, uh, I'm, I'm their first point of contact. So they come in, you know, and, and we're scheduled, I'm scheduling the interviews. Um, they come in, we sit down and we probably talk for 10, 15 minutes as to, Hey, this is, this is what's going to happen. We're going to read from a script. It's going to be very wordy. This is what it means. If you use acronyms, try to say it out first. Um, you know, do you want an ADC? Do you envision needing an ADC? Do you, um, you know, this is, this is why we're asking you, uh, this is not necessarily, I don't say this is the information we're looking for, but, uh, you're here today because you were the first one on the scene. What did you see? That's your importance. Um, so prep role. Yeah, we do a prep role with the legal advisor, uh, before they come in, you know, getting them, getting them scheduled is they'll come to you and be like, Hey, we need this person. Yeah, that's fine. Why? Um, but then I think alleviating their stress in the beginning before we no kid and get them on a record is, is a, is a pivotal role for the recorder as well. Okay. Um, yeah, no, that's definitely good to know as well. Uh, the role that we have with the witnesses, how much preparation are we having ahead of time? Uh, cause I think that, yeah, definitely saves time and makes the process maybe go a little bit smoother as well. Yeah. Um, and you could totally do that pre-interview, you know, telephonically and, but what the best way that I've seen or the best way that I've done it, um, most consistent is, you know, tell them to come where you're at and, uh, set up shop, um, take them in a separate room, talk to them beforehand and, and then be like, all right, are you ready? You have any questions for me? All right. Well, and they're, they're not expecting any surprises, you know? Okay. I mean, there may be surprises with, with a question or, but that's to be expected. Gotcha. So when is the, you know, like when is the AIB over? Like, what is the final, you know, like, all right, let's wrap it up. We, our, our, our job is done here. Like what, what, what is that? Um, yeah. What is that stage? Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, the, usually you're there for about 30 days. Um, there are some like template schedules that you can find, you know, in the KM and things like that. Um, it's tough to stick by that. It's, it's better if you're, you know, ahead of the curve or not, but you're no kidding leaving after an informal review. And what I mean by an informal review is when you think your report's done to include, you know, all your citations, all your acronyms, all of your, you know, everything looks fancy enough to send it to get scrutinized at the MatchCom level. Um, you send it to them and then, you know, you're in like this three to five day wait phase um, because they'll give edits. Um, and then after you make those edits, after the informal review, that's when you can leave. Okay. And honestly, like, it's up to the board president as well. Um, the MatchCom is there to advise the MatchCom commander, but uh, the MatchCom commander appointed a board president who has discretion over that. Um, so sometimes they could pull their rank and pull chalks early. <laughs> nice. Wouldn't but yeah. Yeah, when it happens. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'm not sure if we've left out any important piece of the process um, or if there's anything that you can think of where, where the paralegals are, uh, you know, also play another big role. But if not, or if you do, you can definitely mention that. But if not, um, what are some things that you think that we could, 
you know, have or some improvements that there could be to the AIB process or that could be beneficial to you as the paralegal? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned earlier, like the whole safety board uh, kind of like redid their AFI, um, which which um, doesn't necessarily affect the accident investigation board. It's just a different process now. So I think if we updated our AFI, uh, things that I have updated, uh, which is awesome that JACC puts out, is a, a recorder's guide. Um, you know, I have it right here. And they, uh, they try to set you up for success. So I think they envisioned this, this change coming from the safety investigation board, um, and they try to get ahead of it. However, there, there are some, some questions, you know, and some clarification that needs to be um, addressed and just how do you deal with certain evidence that a SIB gives to you. And honestly, the biggest hurdle that I'm dealing with now is working with um, the Office of Primary Responsibility. So if you're going to cite to uh, a, a TO, if you're going to cite to anything that's owned by by something other than Air Force. So things you can cite to on EPUBs, they're free. That's, that's free game. Um, but, you know, dealing with... Um, the you know, unit specific Lock or base specific? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Dealing with Lockheed Martin, um, mm. you know, their reports, um, dealing with um, TOs, so flight manual managers. It's just their concern is if they give a if they give us um, free reign to do whatever we want with their report, um, and I've heard it come from them, their concern is that the enemy might see it. Um, so, so they're very, um, they, they don't like giving any specifics, any numbers, anything that's already known, um, you know, publicly they're, they're hesitant to give up. So I think working with, um, like Lockheed Martin is huge, right? <laughs> like that's a, just just closing the gap. You know, if it was multiple, you know, if if they were to meet with like JACC or all the MAGCOM, you know, equivalent um, operation law teams, or just just trying to close the gap because it just seems like that is the biggest um, hurdle in anything that you know the what we cite to, what we need, um, they already did a report. And, you know, if, it, if it's dealing with an aircraft, now, now some aircrafts, you know, there's, you're not going to get a lot of out of it, like an F-22. They're new, you know, you're not going to get much. Uh, however, old Asian planes that pretty much every country has, fighter jet-wise, um, just trying to get information, trying to close that gap as to, you know, what our role is when, when an aircraft crashes and what our job is to, to do for uh, a MAGCOM commander um, and how they can help. I think that would be, addressing that would probably be beneficial. Um, and maybe they're doing a good job. Maybe their marching orders are, don't give anything. <laughs> and they're doing great. <laughs> and I'm just looking at it from a different lens, but right. um, that those would be area for improvements. And, uh, you know, like I said, KM is, is super helpful. Whoever, um, 
was at JACC before, I think, did a good job. Um, yeah, those those were my areas that I think could be uh, the SIB turnover and the OPR, uh, Office of Primary Responsibilities, uh, those two things. And they will always be a hurdle. I don't really envision anything getting better, but small steps, I guess. That's right. <laughs> Oh, for sure. So do you see, uh, do you see this uh, being a recorder at an AIB to be a, you know, like a beneficial break or, uh, you know, from your regular duties? Because, right, your military justice paralegal at Seymour Johnson, I'm sure they miss you and they miss your expertise and, and obviously your production as well. Uh, but for you specifically, do you, you know, be like, all right, this is, this is a nice break, go TDY, go somewhere else. You know, what's, what's your perspective in, in your selections? Yeah, I would highly recommend it. Not only, I mean, um, it's just a different opportunity to get out and, and um, experience the big Air Force. So working with flight surgeons, working with medical members that are part of your team, working with pilots and, and generals and, legal advisors, you know, that are probably either deputies or at the NAF level, picking their brains, not only about like the report where we're going, just day to day things. And, you know, um, I would highly suggest it if ever given the opportunity, take it. Um, yes, it is, you know, it would be a stress on your office, um, you know, having pretty much an open seat. Um, they're not left filled for, for about a month, but, um, you know, personally, I, I, I think that, um, you're, you're kind of like graded on your reports. I would assume, uh, I keep getting called. So I, I think I'm doing good. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then I, like I said earlier, I view it as like a game, you know, um, I don't want them to one up me. So I try to get ahead of it earlier. And, and then, you know, the kudos at the end, you know, you get like LOAs from, from a letter of appreciation from a, a general, you know, you, you hang that up in your office. That, that's cool. Um, or, you know, you could, when you make a small talk, you know, at a bar with, with something that's already been publicly releasable, you'd be like, yo, like um, something I worked on went on the air force times. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Right. You know, um, I would highly suggest it. And and I don't want anybody to feel, you know, hesitant to do it because it it may seem like a a big task at first. But once you get through it, um, you you just know that, like I said in the beginning, you know, not only if there's a fatality involved, not only is this report for the family to know what happened with their son or daughter, um, husband, spouse, father, whatever. Um, you know, but, um, I think that having that in the back of my mind gets me through every day because I've, this is my second fatality and, you know, it gets sad and it's like, well, why are we doing this? You know, mm -hmm. uh, one, because we're told to, but two is like, we're trying to put it in layman's terms so they can understand it. And then they have something to know what kidding happened. Um, mm -hmm. That that's beneficial at the end, honestly. No, absolutely. It's a it's a very important job, you know. It's a very important job, and I've been stressing, you know, I've been stressing lately just the importance of of what we do on a day to day basis. Just 
in the legal office, right? I mean, what we do is, is important. It has big impact throughout, not just the Air Force, but, you know, across the world. Uh, but this, you know, being an AIB recorder is definitely uh, important because it affects so many, you know, so many different aspects of what we do. It affects big Air Force. It affects our country. Um, so it is definitely, you know, it's big time. And, and if, you know, we're ever called, our name is ever called to help out with something like this, we need to, you know, we need to make sure that we take it seriously. Uh, we need to make sure that we take pride in what it is that we're doing um, and, and, and understand the, the impact and, um, of the whole, you know, of the whole task that we have ahead of us. So, and we don't want to be a liability there either because we could be, right? We could go in with a negative attitude because we didn't want to leave home, right? We're comfortable doing what we do on a daily basis. So now this is kind of going to, you know, kind of make us step outside of our comfort zone and we could potentially be a liability on something that's serious and that someone is everybody's taking serious and then we're not giving our all so um that's awesome that that you know you're um you know gaining a lot of experience in doing that that you are taking pride in in, in what you do you're learning and uh, doing the best you can yeah i would say so <laughs> No, honestly, if there's anybody listening, you know, and I think there's, there's always like, there's always a billet to, to fill per se, you know, when there, when there is, it just always seems like it's hard um, to find somebody, but if you're proactive or keeping up with your loss as a, you know, paralegal and saying like, Hey, this is something I want to do. Whenever a loss gets an email, they, they know this is something they want to do and you can at least nominate them forward. Um, and just being proactive, trying to get those, those courses. Sometimes they do abbreviated courses um, at the MatchCom level because, um, you know, you, you may do the course at Maxwell and then you might get picked up for like a defense paralegal or special victims paralegal or you get, you get called outside of that career field. So, um, yeah, I would, I would definitely, you know, um, speak up. And then maybe those opportunities will arise. That's right. No, absolutely. Um, well, Sergeant Halley, uh, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. You know, yeah, it's good stuff. I'll let you, since it's just me and you talking right now, I used to have a podcast, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was all right. I, I did it about like five years ago, but uh, what was it about? It was about sports, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Being from Philly, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of our bread and butter, but uh, you talk about every sport or yeah, professional wrestling, you know, uh, baseball, football, UFC, basketball. Um, so yeah, you follow, I, so you follow sports that that close? Oh, big time! Yeah, 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 big time. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I do too. And there's a um, there's an airman in my office, uh, senior airman Jackson. Um, he's just huge, and he's like a walking NBA encyclopedia, right? And sometimes we get into we we get into it, kind of like you know, skipping. Yeah. Uh, I like guys like that. <laughs> That's right. He's super passionate. But I mean, we're, and we're like he's screaming in the office. We're like, shut up, you know. <laughs> um, That's good stuff. But sometimes I wish it. it was on SoundCloud, and I had I, I didn't want to pay the the SoundCloud subscription. Oh, right. Yeah, because <laughs> it was a long yeah. time ago. Long time ago. Right, but still, yeah, there's, um, if you want to keep uploading 
yeah there's there's a feed and yeah i use soundcloud right now for for paralegal podcast as well yeah you're doing well well see how uh, this one gets right what's that <laughs> might put, i hope it doesn't put people to sleep <laughs> no 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 it shouldn't this is cool like a lot of times when we get you know when, when, when we get briefings at aib or a lot of the times you know and it's great because it's great training but we get training and it's the you know the the same old template it's used as far as okay so here's the training here's the slides and it's just very formal i think this is more conversational more yeah. informal even though we're somewhat providing the same information although there, yeah there's no slides or anything like that but it's more like a conversation about how was your experience like you know yeah. what is it that, that, that you're doing it's just you know you can listen to it whatever but it's not it's nothing that's forced right you can you can watch this or listen to this or not you know it's up to you yeah, um and a lot of times other training it's forced and not saying it's important training i'm not trying to knock it it just the way that it comes across sometimes it doesn't really get the buy-in that um that it deserves just perhaps because of the stigma that the format already has so we're just trying different things trying something new with this no this is awesome and I, i've been I've been following you since the beginning, so it's cool, and I'm very, you know, appreciative of, of having me on, and thanks to, shout out to Sergeant Quinto. That's, That's my right, shout out there. to Sergeant Quinto. He made it happen, but you know what, I mean, if you want to be part, if you want to be part of the team, let me know. You I know? always want to be a part of the team, come on now. <laughs> you want to be part of the Paralegal podcast, uh, podcast team, you can, I can bring you in, you can be, you know, you can be on some of the interviews that I have. Let's go, yeah. Sounds good to me. So now, honestly, thanks for your time, sir. This is this is cool, and um, I'm glad I did it. But absolutely. I look forward to the feedback out there too. So maybe that's people true. experience the same thing as me. Maybe they didn't. Who knows? But um, hopefully, right. hopefully they gain some some tidbits out of this. But yeah, no, absolutely, I did. You know what I mean? I gained some. I learned a lot um, <laughs> by this conversation. So you're gonna watch? Is the are the Phillies playing today or no? No, they actually postponed their game tonight. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Not because of COVID, because of yeah, just protest. Yeah, protest, and um, you know, we'll, uh, hopefully they come back soon. But uh, that's yeah, right. National Philly player. We're, we're two games below five hundred, and uh, and it hurts. <laughs> yeah, I'm a uh, so I'm a Cubs. I'm a Cubs fan only because I like Javi Bai. So I'm a Javi. Yeah, I love him. Love him. Yeah, I'm a Javi Baez fan, so I follow the Cubs, and then my uh, deputy, deputy SJ, he's a Cubs fan as well. But then our SJA is a Brewers fan, so you can already, you can yeah, you feel the tension. Uh, I feel it now. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what? And then uh, he's like, well, you know, I'm the SJA, right? Like, you, you know, what? Why? Are you, why are you rooting for the deputy NJ, SJA team? Um, see, I, I like offices like that, friendly banter, and it's like nobody like that. That's good stuff. Like you, you don't have to talk politics or anything. And sports is just like that's my go-to. It's an icebreaker for me. You know, you could, and it's just good banter. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Philly's been hurting lately uh, with the sports. Situation. We're gonna turn around here soon, though. Watch. <laughs> well, it's not just the Phillies, but the Sixers, right? Like yeah, we gotta talk about that. <laughs> we just got swept. Yeah, we got a anyway. whole lot of thinking to do. A lot of 
self-reflection that needs to be done on that team. <laughs> How are the Flyers doing? They doing? Uh, they're actually uh, one and one. They're in, uh, I believe, the Eastern Conference Finals right now. Maybe the semifinals. Oh, gotcha. Um, I didn't even know they were in the playoffs. I haven't been following hockey in a while. They got hot ever since they went in a bubble, and then uh, they were playing with a really young goalie right now. He may be a rookie, maybe his first, second year, um, and he, he's he's doing really good. Um, but I think at the beginning of the year we weren't we were looking like we were going to get the number one pick, and then we just hit a switch. Yeah, so watch out for the Flyers. They're, they're That's right. Here. Yeah, in, in hockey, championship. Hockey is very much like baseball, where the team that gets hot, you know what I mean. It doesn't matter where you finish in the standings. They're streaky. That's right. Yeah, hockey and baseball. Basketball is, you know, if you have the best players, then you're going to win automatically. Yeah. So. All right, man. Well, appreciate it again. I'll keep in touch. I'll hit back. I'll hit you up as far as the, uh, you know, the podcast team and everything like that. So. Yeah, I'm subscribed. I'm sure I'll get a notification when it gets published. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff, sir. Thanks right, again. Well, have a good night. All right. I'll talk to you. All right. See you. Bye-bye.